This episode is brought to you by Ionic. For more, visit ionicframework.com slash view. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Alex, and today on our panel, we have Tessa. Hello. Ari. Hello. Ben. Hello, hello. And our special guest for this episode is Cassidy Williams. What? Cassidy, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> hello, my name is Cassidy, and I'm on the developer experience team at Netlify with Ben over here. What yeah. do I do, Ben? That's my job. I I mostly we make do memes. Yeah, mostly and Photoshop memes. our heads onto things. Apparently, yeah, like I code <laughs> sometimes, but what's really my tasks? So I really I actually focus mostly on React and Next.js. And so when Alex reached out and was like, "Hey, do you want to try Vue?" I was like, "I can." And that's kind of what led me to being here today. Yay. Yeah. So we we did we reached out to Cassidy. I reached out to Cassidy, let's be honest. Yeah. I reached out to Cassidy <laughs> and I, I had this crazy idea. I was like, let's get somebody who's not in the view community to try view and then talk to them about it. So that's what we're doing here today. So Cassidy graciously accepted our invitation. And you went on stream, I think, and did some stuff. But first, before we do that, how did you get into tech? Was your childhood just full of like robots and memes and stuff? Or yeah, my parents are robots, actually. So oh, okay, mm. that, many... that explains so much. <laughs> yeah, so I got into tech not actually by any natural means. Like my parents are not very techy people, and nobody else in my family really is either. I was walking home from school and I heard someone say, check out my website. And I was like, oh, you can make one of those. And then this was in like eighth grade. And I started looking up how to make websites. And back then it was not, there was no such thing as this React and Vue type of community. It was like basic mm -hmm. HTML tutorials on W3 schools. And it's about it. And so it was a lot <laughs> of self-learning and figuring out how to do things. And kind of opened up my world after doing that then. And, and I would make websites for like my high school classes and stuff and just play around with things. I took AP computer science at the end of high school and then majored in computer science in college. And that kicked off my journey into hopping around different tech companies and stuff. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that I did theater for a while, but back in high school, I was also doing computer stuff. So there's quite and a you few went to computer camp too. Yeah, I did go to computer camp. Yeah, yeah actually, eighth grade was the magic year that I went to computer camp. Nice. Oh, good times. But yeah, I feel like there's a lot of like theater nerds and stuff in the tech community too, or people who are really into music. And then they were mm -hmm. like, hey, coding is kind of similar, but not. And now we're all just coding <laughs> instead. <laughs> so you work at Netlify with Ben. You said that you work on Next.js. What is Next.js? It's a framework on top of React. And so it's somewhat controversial to say this, but I stand by this. I don't consider React a library I can, or, or a framework. I consider it a library. And then Next is a framework on top of that library that React is. And so the way I define it is like jQuery, 
which again, it gets controversial when I say this, but like <laughs> jQuery, I feel like React is really good for enhancing your existing JavaScript and you can add a small React app in an existing larger React app and you can use all these functionalities that it gives you all of these methods and stuff, but you could also just use vanilla JavaScript amongst your React. And so that's that's my slightly controversial opinion about React. And so Next.js is a framework on top of that that provides structure to your React apps. So with Next, it's a lot more prescriptive where it's just like, okay, some of your React components are page components. Every single page component is a route. If it's in this folder, that means it's going to be a route or an API endpoint or something. And, and so it still lets you do React. It still lets you do your JavaScript, but it has more opinions around it and wants you to structure your apps in a certain way. This whole time, I thought React was the one that was very insistent that they were a library and not a framework. Was they thinking of Angular? Or like, I feel like that was a big thing. That's the thing. React themselves, they also call themselves a library. The community is very torn on this. I'm sure there's like 10 Medium articles on this if you want to hear people argue about it. <laughs> but that's that's my high level overview. No, I go to Twitter for my arguing. Like, mm, who reads yeah, Medium? Though? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, in the View community, there are zero controversies. Nobody argues about anything. I've Obviously. noticed that. Yeah, everyone's happy in View. Everyone's happy in View land. <laughs> Join us. <laughs> <laughs> And for those looking for like a parallel to if you've used Nuxt, then you could think at a high level that Nuxt is like a view-inspired version of Next. Yeah. Just really confusing naming schemes for everybody. Was, yep. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like to reuse other people's names, but just change it a little bit so that it fits with like the view name thing. Sure. So. I mean, but... Where's the U coming from? They should have named it like previous or something. So you have previous JS and next JS. <laughs> and also the Vite seems very cool from what I've seen, but I thought it was Vite for the longest time because like, I don't know, Byte, Vite, it's it's close. You and most of the world. Yeah. It's okay. I've, I've learned that it's Vite in the past 24 hours. Yes. We love our French words. Yes, mm-hmm. we do. Cool. So we challenged you to do some stuff in Vue. So tell us about what it is that you did. I did the most basic thing you can, a counter. And then I expanded that and did a to-do app. And so if anyone remembers the good old days of to-do MVC, I basically followed that route of, of thinking. And so for context, I have touched Vue before, but it was a long time ago. Like I gave an intro to Vue talk, I want to say like three and a half years ago. It's It was like baby days of Vue. And I liked it then. It was still it was still very early, but it, it was cool to see how I could make something work relatively quickly. And the errors were really awesome because they were so descriptive. I didn't have to go to the docs whenever something went wrong. I was able to just do it. But I didn't dive in too much because it was still changing a lot at that point. I think my talk was out of date like a week later because there are so many changes (laughs) happening. And also I I remember, oh, I hope this talk isn't on the internet, but it probably is. I messed up the parsing of an API during my talk. So I was live coding the whole thing, but I couldn't get the image to actually show up. And I was like, the response is right there. You can see it works. And this should be an image, but it's not. And oh my gosh, it was embarrassing. 
that was a painful talk, but I was self-deprecating jokes work everywhere. And so I was able to get through it. But anyway, I had touched it a long time ago. And so coming to this view app was interesting because it was touching on view three for the first time. And so there were some things that were particularly new to me. I knew the general structure of like having the template, the script and the style and everything, but not a ton beyond that. And so what was also cool in the stream, the stream chat was very helpful in helping me debug as I was figuring out how to build this to-do app. And quite a few people, they were still used to view two stuff. Some people were in the view three. And so it was kind of cool talking out certain things, people saying, ah, you can actually do this now. And people saying, oh, I didn't know you could. It was a really interesting experience. And, and it was cool how easy some of it was. I admit some of it, I was just like, this just, it works. And it, it felt magical to the point where I was just like, it almost feels, it almost feels wrong. I need to, I need to suffer a little more to make this work. <laughs> but uh, that part was nice. And and so I, I have, I called it to do view, but I named it as if it were spelled like view. So it's T-U-E-D-U-E-V-U-E. Just might as well get on the confusing naming scheme with everybody else in this community. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and so I, I started with the counter. I'm actually looking at the code as we speak. And that part was relatively simple. Like I remembered adding methods inside of like the script was something that I could do. But what was cool with that was like the at click and then something that I'm not entirely sold on, but this is just how it is. And, and I have to live with it is the fact that you put the method names in quotes instead of in curly brackets or curly braces. It's like, no, that's not a string though. That I admit threw me off quite a bit, but it's it's fine that that's just syntax. And the counter was quick. It was basically making an add method count plus plus, and then you click that in the, in the templates. So that one was cool and, and relatively simple. And then I can go ahead. I'm going to stop yeah. you there because mm-hmm. so you've done counters and obviously you've done counters and stuff like that in React and in Vue. Yeah. Did you find it easier, harder, better? So, like what like what are the differences that we would be saying? So I do think that the code is shorter in view, which there there's something to be said for that. Hmm. I wonder which one would be easier. Like in React, I would I would be able to do this relatively quickly. Instead of having that data method, I think that's what it's called, the the data mm-hmm. one that that has return count as zero to start. I would make a state variable. And then with that state variable, instead of doing count plus plus or whatever, I would set the state to count plus plus or something. And so there's a few more method wrappers around things in React. Whereas with this one, it's basically like just directly interacting with the variable. And there's probably pros and cons to that. I could see like if you're working directly with the variable and you want to protect that variable from something, there might be something that needs to happen at scale there. But then, for example, with with React, if you have a state variable, it's kind of protected by the use state hook a bit more. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But, but besides that, this was nice and quick. Knowing how to set a variable and knowing how to change a variable, putting the, this counter together was pretty fast. Cool. So next up, what other components did you make? The to-do.view. So that one, I... 
purposely made it a little bit more complex just because I was trying to learn things. And so I made a to-do list and then a to-do item. And so the to-do item was just going to be the component. And this this part was really interesting to me because of how props work and how events work. Because typically in the React world is pretty much always parent down for everything. And so if you want to change the state of a parent from a child, you have to pass a prop from the parent down to the child and that prop will be a function. And then when the child calls that function, the parent will have access to that. So it's always top down in React. But it was different in Vue. And that threw me off because people were like, no, 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 don't do it that way. As, as I was uh, doing <laughs> on, on the stream, uh, they're just like, that's not how it works. Saying that events bubble up. And so events always go up and props always go down. And so that that was a bit of a mind shift that blew my mind temporarily where I was definitely like, oh my gosh, will I be able to do this live in front of people? Um, just because <laughs> it, it, it did admittedly confuse me at first. But then once I did it, I was like, okay, I'm not scared anymore. I'm, I'm understanding a bit. And so what I initially did was I had like the to-do items and then I was wrapping it in a four. And so I was just going to be like four, every item that exists will produce an item. And, and the items in the list were just an array of strings. And so it wasn't anything complex. I didn't add any editing or anything. It was truly just add and remove to this list. And what was very, very funky to me, but cool was, so I had the to-do item. And when I put that into my to-do list, I had the V-4 as a property on the to-do item. That blew my mind. Not wrapping it in something, but have it just have the property to be just like, ah, oh, yes, I am a looped thing now. That still kind of is difficult for me to compute, but it's cool because it, again, less lines of code, it's very clean. It just knows, ah, yes, I'm, I'm this component that loops now. The difference between like the colon before a proper attribute or whatever you want to call it and the at sign, that I kind of had to understand a little bit more, but that was wild to me for the delete. And having like a method that says remove item and just saying this.list.splice at this index and then having at delete and then that calls the remove item. That part was probably the most mind-blowing thing of this entire project. Because <laughs> first of all, it it just worked, but also it handled like the new indexing. So like I didn't have to readjust all the indexing for the list. It just automatically says, okay, well it's removed from the list. Now when it, when I delete it again, like I, I don't need to have a specific idea or anything. I don't need to change how the list works. It just deletes it. And that part was the most magical thing of all of this. And I, it probably sounds very simple to just delete something from a list. And <laughs> I know it's simple, but that blew my mind. That introduced a lot of power that was happening under the hood in view that I, I didn't really expect. Yeah, I think I've seen examples of like how you delete something from an array in React and it's very verbose? It's verbose. And like you tell yourself, you're just like, ah, yes, I have a lot of fine grained control of how this works. And I debate on that because with this, it's really nice to not have the fine grained <laughs> control. But I wonder at, at any time, will I miss that? I don't know. 
currently yeah. no, but I'm so not used to it that I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, and there are ways that you can, I think, with Vue as well, you can write it to look more like React and you can do things in a more React way should you choose to do it that way. Right. So, yeah. I'm just curious what type of fine-grained control, because I think I'm the only one here who's actually never used React. So. Okay. so I'm super curious, like, what can you do with React that you don't feel like or you're concerned you might not be able to do with Vue? I don't, um, I need to figure out how to describe it well, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, it was just the kind of thing where I was like, oh my gosh, it was so easy. I just have to kind of think back to my war stories of how difficult something might have been to remove something from a list, because sometimes if I have some sort of complex list structure of some kind, if I remove something from that list, but I'm also removing, like I'm going really fast or really slow, there's, there's some kind of race condition there. I need to update like the pointers in the list to make sure that if I delete something and then delete something else, I'm deleting the correct thing, if that makes sense. And yeah. I just didn't have to worry about that with this. It just automatically handled that. Like as soon as I wrote this.list.splice, I was just like, that'll just work. But then I have to change change the indexing later. And then people in the chat were like, no, you don't. That was the part that blew my mind. And it was interesting in the to-do item how there's like the button that emitted the delete thing. And so, so I did like at click and then it emitted the delete again from below. So it was defined above, but it didn't need to be passed necessarily. It kind of just happened. That part was cool too. Like I, I get it now, but typing it, I was just kind of like blindly trusting the chat and seeing if it would actually work. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Overall, it was really cool. A couple of things that I was curious about was how did you find the experience of setting up a new view app compared to setting up a new React app? Because I haven't had to do that in a while, but I remembered it, it feeling like there was a lot of stuff to set up a, a React app? So I think back in the day, it was a bit more of a pain to set up a React app, but these days our tooling has evolved. And so that's not as much of the case. Nice. It was actually pretty similar. I Creating a new view app is pretty similar to doing just a basic create React app now or create next app, whatever, whatever you're doing. It was nice to be able to kind of pick and choose what kinds of things I needed. And, and I just kind of went with the defaults and, and rolled with it. Luckily, that part was pretty comparable. It was truly just running the command in the CLI and hoping that it worked. <laughs> nice. Another thing I was wondering about was how did you feel about the experience of having the CSS in the file with the component, like with your JavaScript and template and stuff? So I'm a CSS modules person in the React world anyway, so I did not mind that at all. I don't really like things like styled components or, or CSS and JS things myself. I understand that they have a purpose and some people have those preferences, but I really like having my CSS separate and per component if I can. And then I'll have some global styles that I can import at a top level, but besides that, each one having their own. And so that I kind of liked. It, it makes sense to me to be, just have like that style scoped and just put it in there because it feels like CSS modules, even though it isn't. I can just do class whatever and, and it oh, works. Oh, but you can do CSS modules, just saying. <laughs> and pretty easily at that. I, so 
why? <laughs> Forgive my ignorance. Like, why would someone choose CSS modules when this is built in? Are there limitations? There are. Okay. So by default, it's not scoped to okay. the component per se. You will declare it with the component, but you can end up having some bleeding and collisions. I if see. You're not careful. Yeah. So like, so okay, that makes sense because if you you can't reuse class names necessarily across components. Right. That or, I mean, at least not without some sure interesting side effects. <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense. Okay, that makes sense then. And so, is it common for people to use CSS modules instead of the styles in the component? I would say no. It depends. With Vue, it gets into a lot of you get a lot of flexibility in how you can do things. So, mm. for instance, if you don't want to use HTML and you want to use Pug, right? You can do that. Um, mm. You just change the language to pug for your template and it will be a pug template at that point. Same thing with your style module. You can add in whatever language you want to. You can do sass or less or stylus. Mm. And so it's one of those where it's opinionated, but it's not opinionated. And so for instance, at work, we use CSS modules. Most of my personal projects, I'm using scope styles. There are other projects where I think they actually, they keep the CSS in completely separate files. So yeah, it's sort of personal. Vue has, Vue lets you kind of do it how you like. So <laughs> choose you. Yeah. And with, with scope styles, in effect, we'll have pretty similar behavior to CSS modules. But what it's actually doing is just adding a unique identifier to the okay. component that it just sort of like adds into the selector for you. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think that's one of the benefits or differentiators of the modules is like, since you kind of have control over how it's being scoped, like you can refer to other scope styles across components, but with something like view scope styles, you can't really do that. Mm. And I feel like another one is something like you can use your variables in your CSS in your JavaScript or vice versa or something. I think that also is related to modules somehow. Yeah, yeah, you could yep. do like a ternary on classes that are applied or something. Hey, Tessa, your new PB&J topping selector website is really blowing up. I wish it came in a mobile app version so I didn't have to bring my desktop to my kitchen every single time I'm hungry. Oh, tell me about it. But I don't know the first thing about mobile. I'm a view developer through and through. Oh, well. Are you telling me you haven't heard of Ionic? Ionic? It's a mobile app development platform that empowers web developers to easily make native, mobile, and progressive web apps all in view. That sounds too good to be true. How do I know if I can trust it? Well, Ionic is the technology behind about 10% of the world's mobile apps, including ones from Home Depot and Target, it's also open source, so anyone can contribute. Nice. But what if I need help? Well, Ionic's got you covered there, too, with their premium tools and services. Wow, that sounds almost as smooth as my favorite brand of peanut butter. But I'm no good at design. Don't Apple and Google have, like, super stringent standards on mobile user experience design? Well, that's the best part. 
The Ionic View library comes with over 100 native components and utilities, including animations and icons, so you don't need to design anything to get started. And Capacitor will take all your JavaScript and package it into a stunning mobile experience for you. Amazing. How do I get started? At ionicframework.com slash view. I can't wait to make everyone jelly of my new PB&J mobile app. I'm curious for the view scoped styles or, or just few styles in general, are there naming conventions to avoid that kind of thing? Just based on this, I would be just like, oh, okay, well, if I don't want to deal with CSS modules or any other libraries, but I also don't want to deal with weird conflicts, should I name all my classes like to do underscore and then whatever the, the class name is and, and then apply it that way? Or is that not a thing? I mean, there are definitely people who, who love them and hold on to it with like a death grip. <laughs> it's the whole idea of scope styles is it's kind of that scoping aspect of it is built in. So you don't need to do that yourself. Sure. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think with the CSS piece, I think a lot of it does boil down to a little bit of like people don't quite understand how CSS modules works. Mm -hmm. And so I think when people learn about it, they're almost instant converts because scope styles does have that risk factor that something with higher specificity could override the data attribute. So I do my best to sort of try to tell people to use it. And so the way you use it in Vue is you literally just add module attribute to your style block and that's it. Oh. Most people think it's like some additional config, but it's literally just adding an attribute. And then Vue takes it from there and does it for you. And then, yeah, within your component, you have access to the dollar style object, and it will have all of your classes on it. So you can just pull them off of there. And what's interesting with Vue, especially with the new experimentation, is that they're looking to have you inject your JavaScript into your CSS module so you can figure out ways to do reactive variables and that kind of thing with CSS variables and that kind of thing. So Ooh. some pretty cool stuff coming down. That sounds really exciting. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's super neat. I admit there's so many symbols, like having the at sign before variable. You just mentioned the dollar sign before a variable, the colon before a variable. There's also the pound sign before a variable. Oh my gosh. There's no, we pretend that doesn't exist. That does not exist. <laughs> you pretend it doesn't exist. I do not teach that. So I, I use it. <laughs> the thing to remember is that all of those shortcuts are actually like, they're just shortcuts. Mm. You don't have to use those symbols. You can write out the full like V dash on and V dash bind. So V dash on is the at symbol and V dash bind is the colon. And then that way you're writing the actual directives that are being used there. So it's a lot easier to, if you want to go that route, you can stylistically, but we also offer these shortcuts because you're going to be writing that all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And, and I didn't actually realize that the at sign was for V dash on. So that clears up a confusion that was in my brain. Cause I remember someone said that the colon was V dash bind. And I was just like, Oh, people must use that a lot, but that makes sense. Do you anticipate other V dash whatever's taking on symbols? Will it just be symbols everywhere? Or do you think? Well, the pound me? sign that doesn't exist uh, for Ben. <laughs> According to me, at least. Yeah, that one is V dash slot. Is the V dash slot. So in, mm. I think in React, you have like children. I think you're right. That you can use to render stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so in view, you have slots. Okay. And so you say, okay, I'm going to have a component and I'm going to put a slot tag here. 
And then when you use that component, anything that you wrap inside of it will display in that slot. Okay. Yeah, that is like children then. And then there is also, you have the ability to name slots. So you can be like, here's the slot for the head. And then here's the slot for the foot, right? So you could be like, okay, I don't want to change the stuff that's default, but I want to change like what's in the footer. So you can then do V dash slot colon name of the slot that you want to use. Okay. And so why does Ben think it doesn't exist? (laughs) <laughs> it was mildly controversial. He's a NIMBY. So the thing is, is that when you see it in the template, so basically you'll see a template element and then it'll be like the pound symbol and then the name, right? So that's what like new developers will see. And because the hash symbol is already so prevalently used in like front end world, it's kind of hard to Google what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, that's part of it. It's just like the accessibility of it is a little bit lower in that regard. So most people will get CSS ID, HTML ID, not view slot ID, like view slot name shorthand. Like that's probably gonna be buried in search results. So for me, I usually, I will teach it just so people are aware it happens, but it's usually, I think it's usually easier just to write out longhand in this particular one, I think, but that's just my personal opinion. Or you can cheat like I do. And I just use ESLint to then transform it to vslot. So I have the luxury of just typing hashtag. (laughs) And then it just automatically fixes it for me. Everybody wins. You save so much time. Yes. (laughs) I like it. All I'm going to say is I just Googled at click and it gave me the Adam Sandler movie and then a bunch of other things that have nothing to do with programming. So... (laughs) Man, that Adam Sandler movie though, that was a while ago. Yeah, Yeah, and there were some like gut punches in there. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But to give you some context, Cassidy, on like, I know like the quotes when you're doing the vbind in the HTML, Mm -hmm. uh, it definitely felt weird to me at first coming because I actually don't know if you know this, my background's in React as well. (gasps) And so I think (laughs) part of this is that Vue is actually, I think in this regard, I I like your definition of library versus framework because it is meant to be like a jQuery where you can just drop it in an HTML page and then enhance current HTML. So I think for that reason, if you did have like sort of the JSX syntax of the curly brackets, that would break, right? Because that's not like valid HTML. So the vbind was there to use like enhanced current, like whatever's in HTML normally, and then to tell it like whatever's inside of the quotes is a JavaScript expression. And so... Interesting. Yeah. So that's why it is a little weird though. Yeah. Especially coming from that world. Even again, still looking at this code, I'm like, "Mm, I don't like that, but okay. (laughs) And you do have the option, which I don't think that you explored very much, but you do have the option in Vue to write JSX if you (gasps) were Mm -hmm. to choose to. Mm -hmm. So maybe someday I'll sit down and or Ben and you can sit down and we'll we'll be like, okay, Dabble. cool, watch this. Because <laughs> the, <laughs> the view flavor of JSX is different than the React flavor. So it is it has some extra fun stuff in it. Cool. Yeah, I until you said something about using the quotes instead of curly braces, like it's not something I had ever considered because in my mind I was like, this resembles just vanilla HTML, but I can totally see your point about making it clear that it's something that's interpolated. Right, that it's not a string. Yeah. Because there's still, like, I still have an input type is text, and that's a string, but then Mm -hmm. there's the V model equals new item, and that is an expression. And so having that differentiator, Mm -hmm. I get it, and the whole HTML explanation, that makes sense, but I don't know if I like it. 
<laughs> I'll tell you the one the one place where that we're using the quotes absolutely trips me up is if I'm passing in a boolean. Oh. I cannot tell you how many times mm-hmm. I failed to bind on a boolean, so you end up passing the string true, which can have some very interesting side effects. I see. <laughs> in fact, I think Ben, you helped me solve a problem with that, and it took us both yeah. forever to to be like, oh, that's not actually bound as like a boolean. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Well, especially because true as a string is truthy. And so when it's false, and suddenly it's false, but a truthy string. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I wonder if we can do something with the tooling to enhance that because that's what view is like anyways. There's nothing stopping us from enhancing the view tooling to allow us to skip the, call it skip the HTML V bind. And just like if you do attribute equals curly brace, that that would then interpolate correctly. Because then you could get the syntax highlighting that would make it immediately obvious to developers that this is a JavaScript expression and not a string. Because I totally recognize that flaw of like, if I'm scanning it, it does, it's all, at least in my editor, it's all white, regardless of whether it's a string or right. an I feel expression. Like a, a lower hanging fruit might just be to change like the syntax highlighting so that it, when it's JavaScript, it's a different color. True. I know that. I use WebStorm and it definitely changes the color for me. So man, 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 man. that's what you sound. <laughs> that's like. literally what, what was going on in my head just now, Ari. How did you hear it? <laughs> Aren't you fancy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, going from like Nunjux to Angular JS and then React and Angular, like I think the thing that was hard for me was I kept on wanting to put quotes and curly braces, and then I got mm-hmm. rid of that habit. But then when I tried to go back to React again for a minute for like an interview or something, I did it again, but like reverse. Now I was trying to put quotes and curlies in React and they were like, just put the curly braces. And I was like, it feels wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At first when I was doing this, I was doing the curly braces and people were like, oh no, it's a string thing. And so I put the quotes in the curly braces. Like it truly did not compute. For, for a <laughs> <laughs> now we know. <laughs> Now we know. But yeah, it makes sense. Like if you're calling a vanilla JavaScript thing, it's in quotes in HTML. And so you win. It makes sense. I just need to get a better syntax highlighter and all will be good. (laughs) We'll get Sarah to update our theme. That's what we need to do. Add to her list of things to do. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. of course. She's not busy. No, she's not. Yeah, not at all. What does she do? No meetings whatsoever. Make burgers. She probably has to like deal with just memes endless memes from cassidy all the time so not even just from me i think our entire team just (laughs) i was gonna say the rest of the team is pretty brutal too to be fair (laughs) it's kind of just a contest to see who can drive each other mad just constantly (laughs) yeah so cassidy one last thing that i was curious about was how was the experience of going through the docs review and like how did you find navigating them when you were stuck on something versus like in react So, mm, I have so many words. First of all, I don't like the React docs right now. (gasps) There are people working on it who are trying to make them better. Luckily, I know enough React that I don't have to go to them anymore because I don't like them. So, in comparison, the Vue docs are great, in my opinion. That being said... You don't just have to say that because Ben is here, by the way. mm, I do, though. He helps me play (laughs) Go. But anyway... um, the view docs were good. There were a few times where I did have trouble just searching for specific things because people were just like, oh, look for at this. And I was like, what? And so I just kind of was trying. And I I think I was more a knowledge of 
or a lack of knowledge of what I should be looking for and me listening to a Twitch chat rather than following a guide or, or anything like that. <laughs> but overall, I would kind of like skim it and be just like, okay, this generally makes sense and, and went through it. I kind of would almost have to try again to give more accurate feedback. I would say like, I'll give it a B. Overall, it was a, a decent experience and significantly better than the React docs, in mm -hmm. my opinion. But I, I think I also ran into some issues where I would like Google how to do something and it would take me to outdated docs. And so I would, I would have to do that. But that happens with pretty much every documentation site I've ever tried. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, Cassidy. Yes. The question that we have for you is, did you enjoy the view? I enjoyed the view. Yay! <laughs> Excellent. Was there anything about your experience that like you would have been like, oh, I wish this would have been a little bit easier, a little bit better or anything else? Any other comments that we haven't come across yet or anything? And Honestly, I think a lot of my comments would come down to I should probably practice this more as someone who knows JavaScript, like doing like the actual JavaScript parts of like adding something to a list, removing something to a list, increasing variables, that kind of stuff. That part was easy. There were a little some nuances with the symbols, with the colons and the ats and stuff. I didn't actually realize what they were standing for or what they were doing. I was just kind of, again, obeying the chat. That probably could have been a little bit better. But overall, it seems great. Like I would be down to experiment with it again and try some other kind of project. Cool. All right. Well, Cassidy, where can uh, people find you on the internet if they are so inclined to go looking for you? Well, if you look up Cassidy Williams, you'll find me and a Scooby-Doo character, and I'm not the Scooby-Doo character. So, Thank you for clarifying. I've made that mistake so many times. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens. And so you could look up my name. Otherwise, Cassidy is my handle for pretty much everything. C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O. -S -S -O. That is my Twitter. That is my GitHub. That is my code pen. You could go to Cassidoo.co. That's my website. If you go to Cassidoo.co slash newsletter, that's my newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter where I do an interview question of the week and a joke of the week and useful links and crap. That's where you can find me. Awesome. And with that, it's time for us to move on to this week's picks. Uh, Tessa, do you want to go first? Yeah. So my first pick is this site, Talk to Me in Korean. My friend Felix, who came on before, we wanted to do a class together and he found this one. And I was like, oh, I don't really like self-paced classes, but I also didn't want to look up an alternative. So we signed up. They had a really nice New Year's sale. I feel like a, a bit of an imposter because I don't, I don't agree with my rating. So I scored like a seven or something and I went back to the level one class and I'm learning some new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So that is um, a tentative recommendation for people interested in learning to speak Korean. I don't really see that much in the way of writing or reading, which was a bigger concern, but there you go. And I am in a position right now where I have to learn React and a friend recommended JavaScript and React for developers on Udemy. Maybe some of you have heard of it. She said it was a great course, so I will probably be taking that one. <laughs> I taught that. Actually, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> Let me give you a free coupon for that. Don't pay for it. Oh, thank mm. you. And also, I will say it's kind of an outdated course because it's using React 15 instead of React 16. 
That being said, I have other courses, and so I can point you in the direction of things. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Ben, do you want to tell us your picks next? Yes, sounds good. So my first pick actually comes from the great Cassidy, which is Albanese gummy bears. So, yes! I love these things! So we had like a team food extravaganza, and these gummy bears are awesome. If you like sour gummy bears, so... That is one of my picks for fun snack things. Another one, which actually, funny enough, I did learn from Cassidy Stream one time, is Tetris Effect. And so for those who don't know, I'm a big Tetris nerd. So really got really competitive back in the Facebook. Like, I forgot what that platform was called where people would compete with each other on various games. Oh, Tetris Battle or Uh, whatever. Yes, it was a yes. So good. I played that so much. I loved that. (laughs) Oh, the memes. And so Tetris Effect has, like, great music and, like, stuff, but... It also has the battle functionality, which I'm, I've yet to try my hand at the people in there. So I look forward to maybe doing that on stream sometime so that people can see what it's like. Ben, is, serious question. Is there anything you're not a nerd of? Like, I feel like I could just make a blank nerd selector and just all of them would be correct. because he's a nerd. That may be true. I am a serial hobbyist. That is very true. <laughs> but I did deep dive into Tetris for some time, like even studying techniques and that kind oh of thing. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> and finally, for those who don't know, Cassidy also plays on online Go server, which I also, funny enough, I guess I'm proving Tesla's point once more. Huge Go nerd um, at one point. So OGS, Cassidy is very active on there and love watching her games and that kind of stuff. So although Cassidy missed opportunity, you, you could have done Casago. It would have been so great. Oh, Casago. Dang it. <laughs> could have done it. Next time. <laughs> Next time. Maybe there's a .go domain. If there is, I want it. That feels Mm -hmm. like something that isn't a thing. Yes, I was going to say, now I'm going to go to Namecheap and buy too many domains if it really doesn't exist. Again. (laughs) Cassidy, do you have any picks this week? I do have picks. So the first one I wanted to bring up, it's kind of similar to Tessa. I got this language app for trying to learn Korean called Lingo Deer, and So far, so good. I am not good at Korean, but my husband's Korean and his entire family is Korean, which makes sense. And so I've been trying to like, I've been trying to understand it a little bit more. And I had tried it on Duolingo and Duolingo is good for helping me like read it a little better, but that was about it. And so far, Lingo Deer has been really nice because I can actually, like I was able to say a sentence yesterday for the first time. Nice. I'm trying it out. We'll see how long it it goes, but they also had a New Year's sale, so I'm going for it. Hi, Ting. But Cassidy, the real question is, does Lingo Deer make you feel really guilty if you don't take lessons and shame you endlessly? It, I mean, it's not like the Duolingo where it's like a crying owl that's sent to you. be just like, why have you abandoned me? Not yet. Anyway. <laughs> but then it's like you go into Duolingo and all of the sentences are like, I'm alone in the basement. My cat laughed me. There's a chair. Yeah. And a string. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? Some of the sentences, you're just like, oh no, the poor owl. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, I wish my family loved me. Like there's such tragic sentences in there sometimes. My word. But anyway, so I've I've enjoyed that so far because it, it seems to be more geared towards Asian languages. And I, I do speak Spanish and like Duolingo has been helpful for like maintaining that a little bit because I don't get to practice much, but I'm excited to go along with that. Also, along a similar vein, I just finished watching the Korean drama Itaewon class and it was very good. I finished it two nights ago, I think. And that one is about a person 
who is seeking revenge. And that's kind of like as high level as I can really get. But there's like a ragtag group of friends who end up coming together to try to make it possible. And what was cool about this one, it was it was the most diverse Korean drama I've ever seen. I've seen quite a few of them, but this one, like they had a black character that never happens in Korean dramas. And they had trans characters and they had gay characters. They had, they had all these different categories of people that you just normally don't see in these shows. And so it was very cool to see that kind of representation. And it was also just a very fun story. And so I definitely recommend that. And then my last one, I'm reading a book called The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker. It is very interesting so far. I'm I'm not done with it yet, but it's a kind of sci-fi modern fiction book about a sleeping disease and people will fall asleep and then never wake up and but they're still actively dreaming and it's kind of like mysterious in a way too and, and I've been really enjoying that one. Nice. So my picks this week there is a series of games called Unlock. Yes. All, all capital letters. So good. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know if any of y'all enjoy escape rooms or not or like solving puzzles but unlock is a series of escape rooms in a box you are given a deck of cards and there is an app that you get on your phone and the app has the timer but you like draw the cards and the cards have instructions and they go together like you have to like add numbers together sometimes and then other times like solve a machine puzzle on the app so like there will be a number that you type in and various things like that And what's great about these sets is that there are other escape rooms in a box, but with these, they give you a deck of cards. And so once you go through it, like if you and a friend go through it, you can repackage that and then pass it off to another friend and say, hey, y'all should play this one, right? So it's a great way to like share the joy. Other escape rooms, you like end up destroying the kit because they're Mm -hmm. like, cool, cut up this piece of paper and then weave things together or whatever. But with this one, it's just, it's a deck of cards. You can do everything without destroying anything. So like Sisterhood of the Traveling Escape Room, basically. Yeah, Yeah, basically. It's fantastic. (laughs) They have a brand new Star Wars (laughs) series of them that we have gotten. We've gotten some of them. They're pretty fun. So yeah, that is my pick for this week is the Unlock Escape Room in a Box series of games. Those games are the best. That was actually a wedding present that my husband and I got. And at first we were just like, oh, well, thanks for the board games or whatever, because our friend gave us a ton of them. But they were amazing because we were able to do them with friends. We did them ourselves. We were able to pass them on. It was kind of like the game that kept on giving. And some of them are really challenging. Like we weren't able to solve a couple of them on the first try. And then some of them, they're just fun and clever, too. Yeah, we got one where you have to have enough people to play it because you have to split up into two groups. Yeah, because there's so many things to solve. Well, no, no. Like, there's actually a point at which half of you go this way, half of you go that way. And like, you each... Oh, I haven't had one that did that. You each take separate sets of cards and then you're having to like talk to each other to explain like this is what i'm seeing this is what i'm seeing like how do we i don't know that's like 999 that's so cool so they're super fun i highly recommend them and that's all for this week's episode if you aren't following us on twitter head over and find us at enjoy the viewcast be sure to subscribe to us in your podcatcher app of choice. And if you have the time, leave a review. Finally, the first rule of View Club is to tell at least five or six colleagues about View Club. Thanks for listening. And until next time, enjoy the view.